Hey, it's Mailbag Wednesday, and the White Sox made it two in a row, beating the Arizona Diamondbacks on Tuesday afternoon. What can we expect from some of the lesser-known White Sox prospects, and what kind of batting order would produce the most success? Also, Elvis Andrews is getting used to second base, and there is a new White Sox documentary about the 1990 season. You are locked on White Sox. Your daily Chicago White Sox podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Sox fans, welcome to Locked On White Sox. Thank you for making Locked On White Sox your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms, follow us on Twitter at Locked On Socks. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, just search Locked On White Socks. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Uh, visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Hey, I'm your host, Nick Murawski, a lifelong diehard Chicago White Sox fan recording this podcast just blocks from the ballpark in beautiful Bridgeport. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore GGTB. Lockdown White Sox is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, uh, your team every day. Uh, welcome back to Lockdown White Sox. We are around that 30-day mark until opening day. Uh, Sox taking on uh, the Houston Astros in this month, uh, March uh, 30th. I really appreciate you passing along this podcast to other White Sox fans in your life. Uh, thanks for all of the mailbag questions. Going to get to those on this episode. Talking a little spring training as well. Uh, our Chicago White Sox are now two in two in this early uh, spring training. Sox beat the Diamondbacks on Tuesday, uh, four to one. Uh, just a couple of news and notes here. Uh, if you didn't hear about it, uh, check out the latest uh, Lockdown MLB with uh, Paul Francis Sullivan. Uh, I joined uh, uh, Paul Sullivan to talk all things White Sox, a little bit of the 2022 little offseason and, and what we can look forward to here in 2023. Again, that's Lockdown MLB with uh, Paul Francis Sullivan. Uh, also, just a heads up, there will not be a new episode uh, this coming Friday, uh, March 3rd, I will be in uh, Arizona checking out spring training uh, in Glendale, uh, but I'll be back uh, with the whole recap uh, on Monday. So again, no new episode uh, this Friday, uh, March 3rd. Uh, mailbag questions, really appreciate all the comments, all the questions. Uh, however you get them to me, I do appreciate it. Uh, Alex uh, and Brett checked in on some prospects, and uh, that's uh, kind of a hot topic right now. We're seeing so many players, uh, usually with those higher numbers or no name on the back of their jerseys uh, in Arizona, getting some action. And there's always a couple names that might emerge, whether it's a bullpen arm or maybe it's a utility player. Uh, maybe somebody we'll see later uh, this season. So Alex and Brett uh, asked about uh, Christian Mania and Yoliki Cespedes. And those names have been talked about uh, quite a bit. And I will be checking in with Lindsey Crosby. Uh, and that's a plan. Uh, lockdown MLB prospects. Uh, he is the go-to. Uh, he's going to join the podcast in the near future. 
and I think he's got a lot of great insight on some of the lesser-known White Sox prospects. I also checked in uh, with Daniel Victor, and uh, if you are on uh, Twitter, he is an outstanding follow. Uh, he's a writer for White Sox Daily, outstanding resource when it comes to all things uh, White Sox minor leaguers, and I asked him about Mania and Cespedes, and uh, this is uh, some really detailed answers. Uh, Daniel Victor sees a lot of minor league baseball, uh, and he I really trust his opinion. Uh, so this is what uh, Daniel said about right-hand pitcher Christian Mania. And Victor even uh, mentioned in, you know, in, in his description, talked a little bit about Norge Vera uh, as well. So uh, Victor said Mania was one of the very youngest guys in all of AA when he moved up to join Birmingham. I would guess that he goes back to Winston-Salem to begin this year. Uh, he only had 40 innings with Winston, uh, and he didn't dominate. He's got a great hook. Uh, I think it's his best pitch. Uh, and in my live looks, that was his out pitch. Uh, I didn't see the premium arm strength. Uh, he was mostly 91 to 93 miles per hour in the starts I watched. Although I heard he could get fives, I even heard somebody say 97, uh, but not quite sure uh, that I buy that. Uh, one of his teammates, who I respect a lot, told me that uh, he thought Mania was better than Norge Vera. I didn't see that way because I saw Vera get to 97 with the free and easy effort you put into a game of catch in the backyard. However, Vera had a dead arm before he left Kannapolis and his velocity was not good in Winston or Birmingham. It was like there were two Norgay Veras. That being said, I imagine Mania having a big league opportunity in 2025 at the earliest uh, he will only be 22 then unless he just goes great guns and gets the world on fire for the next nine months. Then maybe 2024. I just don't see the kind of talent in him that you expect in a pitcher that debuts at 20 or 21. He's talented, but not Kershaw, Beckett, Bumgarner level talented, at least not yet. Uh, and then Yolki uh, Cespedes, this is what uh, Daniel Victor had to say about Cespedes. Uh, Yolki looks like he has a fourth outfielder profile. He can play excellent defense and has an absolute gun of an arm, uh, but the bat to ball is holding him back. 30% strikeout rate in AA at an age appropriate uh, for the level. Hopefully he destroys AAA Charlotte because the hitting environment is prime there. If he doesn't get a shot this year, my guess is he ends up an organizational afterthought like Yolbert Sanchez and Mike Rodolfo. Uh, you know, the White Sox have all but appeared to say internally, all right, who's next about Yolbert? And Mike is currently a free agent. Hopefully, uh, Adolfo finds a, a good landing spot because he deserves a shot. Maybe Yolke uh, ends up a shuttle guy for injuries. He definitely flashes some tools. Uh, appreciate the questions, Alex and Brett. Again, Daniel Victor, a great follow. Uh, such a wonderful source of information when it comes to minor league guys. And uh, I will be checking in with Lindsey Crosby, host of Lockdown MLB Prospects in the near future. Uh, nice comment from uh, Tyler. Uh, Tyler said, I've liked how the at-bats uh, of the projected starters have looked so far. Long at-bats, good takes and good contact. Like to see some improvement with runners in scoring position. 
Uh, but if, uh, unfortunately, that's nothing new. Uh, correct, Tyler. That is right on with that. I talked about it in some recent episodes here on Lockdown. And if you were with me for the uh, 2022 season, it was a rough season in so many different ways. Uh, but runners in scoring position, uh, just they, the Sox just could not get that done. Uh, how many times they had bases loaded with nobody out and they could not get uh, a run in. So uh, thank you for the comment, Tyler. I agree. You know, uh, Jose Castro, Mike Tosar saying all the right things and, and have been uh, throughout the offseason. Uh, love that uh, Pedro Grafol is focused on situational hitting. I mean, if you're going to look at something in spring training, and again, depending on who you talk to, they might say really nothing truly matters. You know, don't go too far underneath the surface. But situational hitting is something that I, I definitely like to keep my eyes on. You know, producing with runners in scoring position uh, is a problem early on for the Sox right now. Uh, but there does seem to be a plan in place. Uh, it's being articulated uh, through quotes, through articles. You know, something I just don't remember uh, hearing from Frank Menachino or La Russa, uh, you know, it's practicing how you take pitches. That has also been a focus, uh, which I think is fascinating. And, and the way they've got some of these pitching machines, they could dial in, you know, all different kind of goofy stuff. And you're training your eye to track that kind of stuff, those secondary pitches. And especially for a guy like uh, Colas and, and even Gonzalez, uh, they're so new to major league uh, pitching. Definitely Oscar Colas, like that is such a benefit. Uh, trying to generate more walks, uh, less strikeouts, uh, guys being more selective because they have a plan. I have seen that so far. We're only four games in, uh, but when you look at some of the walks to strikeout uh, numbers in the last two games, uh, it is promising. Uh, thank you, Tyler, uh, so much for that. Uh, comment. Uh, several several listeners uh, weighing in on batting order and uh, specifically, you know, maybe where Andrew Vaughn might hit in the lineup. He's been hitting fifth, sixth uh, right now in early spring. Would you like to see him higher up? You know, uh, he's been in the bottom half so far, uh, less pressure, perhaps. Maybe that's where they want him uh, come opening day and at the beginning parts of the season, because, you know, there is a ton of pressure uh, on him. He is not new to major league hitting, uh, but he is new uh, to that first base uh, position, you know, stepping in out of the shadow again of Jose Abreu. So maybe keeping him in the bottom half, uh, less pressure, balance the lineup a little bit. You've got some power now in the bottom half of your lineup in that five or six hole. Uh, you know, you want your best hitters, of course, at the top. Uh, and Stoney thinks that Vaughn could hit maybe around 300 this year. He wouldn't be surprised by that. We do hope the power numbers are there. He, he's got to be a 20-plus home run hitter. Uh, so maybe maybe Andrew Vaughn forces his way up there eventually. Uh, but right now, you know, I, I, I think what they're doing with Robert up at the top, Jimenez, that lightning and thunder, Robert Jimenez, I think you're going to see that. Obviously, Tim Anderson's going to be at your top. Uh, ben Attendee should be in that two spot. Right now, Vaughn's been hitting behind Mankata. I can see maybe that flipping, depending on how uh, Vaughn has, you know, how his spring goes and how Mankata's spring goes. But having some power down at the bottom of the half, uh, you know, that that could be where Andrew Vaughn hangs out and feasts him some pitching, perhaps. Uh, saw this article in The Athletic. Uh, you know, I, I, a lot of people wondering about fantasy baseball, and there is a lockdown 
uh, MLB Fantasy Baseball uh, podcast now, but saw this in The Athletic about which players uh, from each MLB team are likeliest to outperform their fantasy draft ranking. I thought this was interesting. And the two players highlighted were Yasmani Grandal and Yoan Moncada. Uh, and this was the write-up uh, from James Fegan. Both these gentlemen have rankings that reflect uh, how they're coming off dreadful seasons ravaged by persistent injuries. Uh, both are in spring camp touting their best health in years and don't need much more than regression uh, to the mean to exceed expectations at a catching position where no one can hit. Grandal has never posted a below average weighted runs plus before last year. Uh, Mancada's 27 should be entering his prime and has entered the year super focused by the chance to play for Cuba in the World Baseball Classic. It shouldn't take much more for them to improve. James Fegan uh, from The Athletics. So I guess keep your eyes on Grandal and Mancada if you're trying to figure out those fantasy baseball leagues. Um, White Sox got their second win of the Cactus League on Tuesday, and Oscar Colas continues to hit. Uh, more on that uh, in a moment. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Uh, the midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, uh, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets uh, back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on anything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Uh, plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Uh, so don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So uh, White Sox took care of business of the Arizona Diamondbacks on Tuesday. Uh, Sox took care of them 4-1, to one, uh, two games in a row now. Uh, for the White Sox. Jonathan Stever on the hill for the Sox to start the game. He only went one inning, which was a theme for all the pitchers. Uh, gave up three hits, uh, one earned run. Uh, that was the only run uh, of the game for the Diamondbacks. Uh, after Stever, you had Graveman, uh, then Deekman, Ruiz, Shaw, Ramsey, Perez, Shoney, and Olsen. White Sox used nine pitchers on Tuesday, each pitched exactly one inning. And again, Stever was the only pitcher uh, to give up a run. Sox pitching had eight strikeouts and only one walk, which was great uh, to see. Uh, offense was clicking as well. Uh, not as much thunder as the previous game, but it got enough to get the job done. Uh, Sox had four runs, 11 hits, four extra base hits. Billy Hamilton had a double. And a stole a base and scored on a safety squeeze in the game. Good to see that from Hamilton. Can he force his way onto the White Sox roster? Definitely need that speed, especially late in the game. Man, that could be a difference maker. Uh, Oscar Colas, boy, I feel like every day there's something new we're reading about Colas or he's doing something or... Uh, you know, he came into this uh, spring training with so much excitement. And I, and I do want to talk to Lindsey Crosby uh, about Colas uh, and Montgomery, as well as some of the other lesser known. But 
Oscar Colas got his fourth hit uh, of the spring on Tuesday. He also has played now in all four games, uh, not seeing the power yet, uh, but there's no doubt that that will come. Right now, I I love that he's swinging the bat. You know, he's finding his pitches. He's doing whatever he can do with those pitches. Uh, and, uh, you know, that that power is going to come eventually. So uh, he had four hits in his first at eight at-bats uh, beginning uh, spring training. Luis Robert had a second double of the spring in an RBI. Uh, Zavala, two-run home run from Sebi Zavala on Tuesday. Uh, Aloy Jimenez played right field. He was two for two and with another walk, which is a great sign. And Hanser Alberto uh, played second base, had two hits. Could this be a guy that maybe forces his way on the team uh, and might replace a guy like Lurie Garcia? Uh, Again, the Sox signed Alberto back in early January, a well-traveled infielder that spent 2022 with the Dodgers. Uh, He's got a free-swinging approach, most uh, scouts say, uh, that maybe, maybe Tosar and Castro will be able to help with. Uh, after seven at-bats this spring, Yoan uh, Mankata still looking for his first hit of Cactus League play. Uh, White Sox had four walks in the game and only five strikeouts, uh, but with runners in scoring position, they were one for 10. Uh, that is a number that absolutely can't happen often. Thank goodness it is just a spring. Uh, how about some quotes before uh, Tuesday's game? Daryl Van Scoven had him uh, for the Chicago Tribune. Uh, Grafol was talking about Garrett Crochet and his bullpen session. This is what Grafol had to say. Looked really strong, looked good, uh, pounding the strike zone. He's comfortable. His numbers are good, assuming he means velocity. I'm really excited where he is right now in his quest back from Tommy John's surgery. And then Pedro Grafol and Colson Montgomery. Uh, Grafol was impressed with Montgomery taking four straight pitches, a half inch or inch off the strike zone versus Mike Clevenger in live batting practice on Tuesday. Grafol said Montgomery looks calm. It looks like the game comes to him at the right pace. So those quotes, those conversations by Grafol talking about Montgomery's takes relates to the conversation from previous episode about Mike Tosar working with Colas and Gonzalez, you know, on taking pitches to practice discipline. The more pitches you see, the more dangerous you become. Uh, Elvis Andrews uh, talks about the transition to second base, and there is a new uh, White Sox documentary coming out. Uh, More on that in a moment. So Elvis Andrews in his 15th year in Major League Baseball, making a position change for really the first time. Uh, And Andrews talked about playing second. Uh, Even in Cactus League action, Andrews felt a bit different playing four innings at second base during the uh, 10-1 White Sox victory over the Mariners the other day. Uh, This is what Andrews had to say. It was completely weird. The weirdest game I've played in in a while. Uh, said Andrews, uh, even between innings. I was like, what am I doing here? But I'll get used to it for sure. Uh, Continuing to play shortstop was his preference, according to Scott Merkin, but playing second for the White Sox uh, with Anderson healthy was not a crazy idea. Uh, For sure, it was in my brain, Andrews said. I need a few more games at second, but I feel good. I've been working really hard with Eddie Rodriguez, our infield coach. I'm not 100% comfortable at second yet, uh, but it was a pretty good first game. 
I wish I could have had a few ground balls. I was calling for them, but I feel good for the first game. Uh, with nobody on, it's pretty simple, Andrew said. Uh, you see the ball, react to it, anticipate uh, the guy hitting-wise. We know uh, what he's going to throw, and that helps you to anticipate uh, before moving uh, after they hit the ball. With nobody on, I'm very comfortable. It's pretty much with a man on first when I want the ground ball because I want to make the play so I can make it easy uh, for me. Besides that, last year, I played a lot of second base through the shift. So it's nothing uh, crazy. Uh, again, I really, you know, the fact that he got into camp right away, they, they, they got that signing done uh, and he's got this whole month plus. Uh, now, I mean, days are winding down. Uh, but he's got a ton of time and they could work on that chemistry. You know, Andrews and Anderson, we know it. We, we know Andrews is going to be your starting second baseman, uh, barring an injury or something crazy. So they could work on that chemistry. Andrews can feel more comfortable. Uh, it's, just a, it's a great thing overall. Uh, wanted, to, uh, wanted to touch on something that's going to happen uh, Thursday night. Uh, and you might have heard about this. Uh, I talked about it on my weekly White Sox podcast, Good Guys Talk Back. The the folks that have been doing uh, these last Comiskey documentary uh, snippets and segments over the last few years, archival footage, and uh, it, it's just been absolutely amazing. Well, Matt Flesh, uh, the writer, uh, the producer, uh, he is going to join me on Thursday's episode to discuss this new three-part documentary uh, on 1990, really the end of an era for uh, old Comiskey Park and, and such an amazing team, a scrappy team, an energetic team uh, that challenged the juggernaut uh, Oakland Athletics uh, during that year, all the way to almost down to the wire. Uh, they've got a, a bunch of stuff out on their YouTube channel. You can find them at Last Comiskey 1990. They've got several little mini uh episodes, I guess, uh, about that year and some running threads about the ballpark, Nancy Faust, and and even they, they go through a couple other decades and then they highlight certain players. Well, this new documentary has is just absolutely full uh, of interviews. Jack McDowell, Scott Fletcher, uh, Ozzie Guillen, Ron Kittle, Greg Hibbard, Bobby Thigpen, on and on, uh, talking about Jeff Torborg and how instrumental uh, he was. Uh, with that ball club. So if you're not familiar with what the Last Comiskey uh, folks have done, you can find them on Twitter uh, at Last Comiskey and just search in YouTube Last Comiskey 1990 and pull up just some amazing uh, footage. It really takes you back. And no, it, this is great for no matter how old you are. But if you remember that 1990 year, uh, it was going to be the last year, of course, of Comiskey Park. And all of a sudden, uh, this team got hot. They started to play well. They were predicted to finish dead last. Took it personal. Uh, and, and wait till you wait till you watch this documentary. The first episode is going to drop uh, Thursday night, March second at eight p.m. Uh, and then the following two Thursdays at the same time, they will drop part two and then part three. So Matt Flesh is going to uh, join me on Thursday's episode of Lockdown White Sox uh, to kind of break everything down. Really exciting. Uh, for that conversation. Uh, folks, thank you so very much for making this podcast part of your daily routine. You can find the Lockdown White Sox podcast absolutely everywhere. Uh, you find your podcast. We're on Twitter at Lockdown Sox. You can find me on Twitter at Nick underscore GGTB. 
And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And you can start getting those questions and comments in for next week's mailbag already. LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Thanks for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen. Now, for your second listen, check out Lockdown Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Lockdown Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. So I'll be talking uh, to Matt Flesh, uh, writer, producer, director of the last Comiskey documentary on Thursday. And again, just a reminder, no new episode on Friday, uh, March 3rd. I will be uh, in Arizona at spring training. Back on Monday, though, to recap all the spring training happenings as our White Sox inch closer uh, to opening day. Appreciate you making time for the Lockdown White Sox podcast. I'm Nick Murawski. Until next time, go Sox.